This is the Gender Justice Brief, a podcast of gender justice. We fight for gender equity by breaking down legal, structural, and cultural barriers and expanding protections. We want to see all people thrive, regardless of their gender, gender expression, and sexual orientation. Welcome, everyone. Uh, This is Erin Hart, Communications Director at Gender Justice. I am here with Megan Peterson, our Executive Director. Hey, Megan. Hello. I say we're recording live because I feel like everyone can hear us live because the PROACT debate uh, on the Senate floor is still going on. And Megan and I literally just came back from the Senate. Um, But we're here today to update everyone on what's going on and what we're thinking about for session and paying attention to uh, next week and catch up on what's been going on. It's been a long week. It's been a busy week. So it's a whole, it's a whole new experience when you have majorities and you like really get a shot at passing good legislation. I think everyone thinks like, oh, we got the votes. Great. Now we get it done. It's like, it's so much more, it's even more work, so much more work to pass the good laws than to try and stop the bad ones. So um, it's good work, but it's a lot of work. So, yeah, so we're running on fumes, but we're here and we're still excited. Megan, why don't we start with, uh, let's just start with the PRO Act because that's, we're just in it and coming from it. A lot of us, hundreds of us gathered at the Senate Capitol, I mean, the Capitol slash Senate this morning. What did you see when you got to the Senate this morning? How did you feel? What was going on? Well, I came into the building from the tunnel from the state office building and, you know, I could hear the crowd (laughs) or I saw the crowd. There was both a very loud uh, singing of the anti-abortion crew singing, you know, religious songs of some variety and then chanting from our side. And so, you know, even what, like four floors down, you knew you knew something was going on. And when we got up there, yeah, there was just a a large crowd of both anti-abortion protesters and people there to support um, our senators and to support the passage of the PRO Act and um, unrestrict Minnesota partners and supporters were out in force alongside partners like Pro-Choice Minnesota and um, Planned Parenthood. And so it was really it was really wonderful to step off the elevator and see all that yellow and black amongst amongst the crowd. Yeah, it was it was it was exciting. I I feel like I was running a little late this morning, so also things were fully underway when I got there. Shared the elevator with some nice folks. I came in from outside, and then it was like, whoa, okay, this. At first, I was like, hey, what if I won't know where to go? It was very obvious where to yeah. go. Um, <laughs> yes, and, um, sound. Right. So the Senate is voting today. Uh, this is the PRO Act's last stop before it would be signed by the governor. Is that correct? Correct. And the PRO Act is the Protect Reproductive Options Act. It would codify a fundamental right to all reproductive health care. And... Uh, it remains to be seen if it will be voted on today, but it is being extensively debated and we'll see if it gets voted on today, but it is, it is up to be voted on by the Senate. Right. That is the, that is the hope. Uh, there are apparently a lot of amendments being introduced from the Republican side of things. 
and uh, debate is lively and going strong. The House floor vote went about four hours. Uh, this will be longer, everyone. It's, uh, it's already longer. Already longer. Um, when the Senate first convened this morning, just after 1030, 1045, I think it was, in the morning. Initially, it was clear that the Republicans planned to, you know, that that stall and delay tactics were their primary strategy, probably just to see, well, can we drag our feet enough um, and just make this as miserable of an experience enough that, you know, maybe we have a shot of of winning. But, and so initially it was clear they were maybe going to try to just fight about like adjournment times. And so, there was a, you know, uh, a motion to adjourn on Monday at noon. And then it was like, no, at 11. And then someone was right. like, no, 7 a.m. And I was like, oh boy, this is, this is. Some- it kind of like reminded me of like how I argue with my kids about screen time. Like yeah. I can watch videos at four, no at five. <laughs> like, yes. Yes. I mean, not, not the riveting action that I think the hundreds of, uh, supporters and antis were there for. So pretty quickly, there was a 30 minute recess. And notably, when the Senate came back, they had moved on to, you know, more substantive <laughs> debate on the bill itself. And that's what has been, you know, happening ever since. Okay. And is it possible that they just like don't get done today? And like, recess over the weekend? I mean, could it go into the weekend? Uh, what's your sense of that? Yes, all those things. All the things. Um, it's all possible. You know, I'm not, I am not a senator. I am not inside. So I don't know exactly what is going to happen. But I do think that it is possible that the amendment strategy that the Republicans are using now, um, where they just have one amendment after the other, after the other, after the other, and they're wanting extensive debate on each amendment. I mean, there's a fair amount of also amending the amendments. So then oh. you also then you're also debating the amendments of the amendments before you get to the original <laughs> amendment. So I think that it is entirely possible they may get either to this evening and say, okay, we're not getting this done. Let's let people go or keep people late or plan to be there over the weekend or say, okay, we're not getting this done. So we're going to come back on Monday. You know, I think all of those scenarios are possible. Okay. So uh, folks listening to this in the future, you already know what happened. Um, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, people who are not listening to this podcast on January 27th, 2023, this is a long way of saying you should follow us on social media because at unrestrict MN on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram, we are posting live updates. Uh, but you should still listen to the rest of this podcast because we have other important stuff to cover that happened in the session this week. Let's turn next to the Reproductive Freedom Codification Act. Mm-hmm. Uh, we had a hearing on that and let's sort of touch base on the status of that legislation and maybe mm-hmm. recap for folks uh, what that bill does. So otherwise known as step two, Yes. In in a successful reproductive freedom session, the just to uh, drive home the point, the only time there will be a legislative session after the Supreme Court repeals Roe v. Wade or you know overturns Roe v. Wade. This was is never going to happen again. This moment that we're in, 
And so, um, as I think folks know, when the Dobbs decision came down in late June, we actually co-released with the Legislative Reproductive Freedom Caucus on that same day, a leadership agenda for abortion access in Minnesota that really laid out, okay, what is, what is our vision? You know, this is our opportunity to shift from decades of playing defense, decades from focusing on how do we, you know, get rid of the bad stuff that the other side had managed to make happen? And how do we really lay out a vision for what is needed to protect and expand access to abortion and all reproductive health care for Minnesotans, but also, you know, frankly, for the region, for our all of our friends and neighbors who are living in states that have effectively banned abortion, have banned or effectively banned abortion. So the next step in that agenda two. After, after the PRO Act, step two is the Reproductive Freedom Codification Act, also known as the Repealers. Uh, we went through um, statute and looked for not just, you know, taking note of the laws that were most recently found unconstitutional from our lawsuit, Dovey, Minnesota, which um, we got a great decision from uh, Judge Thomas Gilligan in the Ramsey Court in, on July 11th of 2022. But really going back even before then, there have been lawsuits in the past that have enjoined different uh, abortion restrictions. And but, you know, although those laws have been enjoined by the lawsuits, they haven't actually been removed from statute, which, you know, you might say, what's the big deal? You know, that's that's kind of how our system works, like legislatures pass laws, judges strike them down. It's not every time that a, a law gets struck down that we take it off the books, right? True. That is true. However, if there is a lesson to be learned from what happened to Roe v. Wade, it is that um, it is actually a crucial next step that if there is support in the legislature to actually remove the laws from the books, despite them being found unconstitutional or, or enjoined by uh, a, a lawsuit decision, we should clean up the statute because when Roe was overturned, there were uh, laws, including like in Wisconsin, where in the 1800s they had banned abortion, had been enjoined for all these years by uh, Roe v. Wade. It came back alive. And in, in Wisconsin, there are not any abortions being performed right now because of a law from the 1800s. And so what... Um, I think everyone just really recognizes now is we have got to clean up our statute and make sure that none of our existing laws can kind of come back to life if the courts change um, in the future. And let's not let's not run that risk. Let's not be a Wisconsin in this scenario. Yeah. Yeah. And I think uh, our legal director, Jess Braverman, said it very well recently on Minnesota Public Radio uh, about these. We can't leave these statutes lurking on the books. Right. I, I thought that was a good a good word to use uh, for that situation. Correct. Um, so what is the next step on, on that bill? And then I want to make sure we have time to touch on the Reproductive Freedom Defense Act, too, because yes. there was stuff happening there. So the next step for um, it's HF 91 and SF 70 codification act is it has one more quick stop in the house and the ways and means commun uh, committee. And then 
In the Senate, it just needs to make its way through Judiciary Committee. And then both of those bills should be scheduled for floor votes. And uh, we look forward to really, you know, completing. I mean, I really have always thought of the PRO Act and the repealer bill as two halves of a whole. Right. You know, one, one reaffirms and puts the fundamental right into statute. And the second bill says, and this is what that means in relationship right. to existing law. So um, we need both. We're going to get both. We are, you know, on the path to achieving passage of both of those laws. And we need all of everyone in Minnesota who voted to protect reproductive freedom in the last election, who have made their, you know, voices clear through their ballots. We need your voices at the Capitol. Um, you know, there's been obviously really strong commitment from leadership that they know Minnesotans turned out and voted and delivered this pro-choice, pro-reproductive freedom majority for a reason. A trifecta, um, I might add. A trifecta, <laughs> yes. Thank you. Um, but nonetheless, you know, there's a lot that people are trying to get done. And um, it is so helpful and so valuable to have constituents reaching out to their senators, to their representative and saying, yes, this is what this means. This is what my vote meant. Please pass these bills. Let's get it done. Let's not delay. This is what we want for, you know, we gave you majorities, you better use them. And this is what we want you to use them for. Right. And we have a simple way to do that on Unrestrict's website. It's unrestrictmn.org slash ask. Very short URL. Uh, and uh, folks can actually just go there and fill out a form to contact your uh, representatives or senators on the repealers bill. Um, okay. So that those are the repealers, the Reproductive Freedom Defense Act. So we had two hearings at the same time on Thursday. So like literally at the same time where we had patients, providers, advocates testifying on behalf of the repealers in the House. We had the first hearing for the Reproductive Freedom Defense Act. Uh, Megan, can you tell us a little bit about why we need this bill, what it does, and where it's at in the process? Folks may remember after the Supreme Court decision in Dobbs was leaked early in May of last year, there were a few states, including Minnesota, that um, moved quickly to introduce uh, bills that would, you know, really help tighten up the law around protections. You know, this is the first time that I, well, in a long time anyway, and certainly on this issue where the status of a fundamental right is in the hands of a state where you could have states where it's legal to do something that is like so core about whether or not you have control over your body and then like literally cross the state line and be in right. the complete opposite um, situation where you could be criminalized for, you know, getting an abortion or seeking an abortion. And so that is a whole new legal landscape. And um, for states like Minnesota, where we have determined that there is a fundamental fundamental right to abortion where we're surrounded by states that are have gone the opposite direction, knowing that people will need to travel to Minnesota to get access to care that they can no longer get in their own states. We had to make sure that they were protected in getting that care in Minnesota and that Minnesota was not going to be in a position of participating in 
criminalizing people when they went back home. And also we're protecting the providers, providing care here to people who live out of state. And so that's really the point. You know, Connecticut passed, was the first state to pass a law like this. Um, there are now several states taking up what you know, has kind of been renamed like shield laws um, right. across the country. So the, the Reproductive Freedom Defense Act is basically Minnesota's quote unquote shield law. And, you know, it's pretty straightforward. It's just saying you get care here. If you provide care to people who don't live in Minnesota, in Minnesota, you are protected. Your right to do that is protected. And the state is not going to participate in efforts to criminalize you or threaten your, you know, medical license or whatever the case may be. Right. And um, so I think Minnesota had an executive order issued on this. Um, and like the AG has come out, you know, saying that he would, that Minnesota would not cooperate, but we really need this in statute because, you know, people, administrations change and um, we need that protection. Well, I mean, I guess I would just say, if you want to know what else is on our agenda, you can go to unrestrictminnesota.org, unrestrictmn.org, be precise, yes. forward slash agenda and find the leadership agenda for um, abortion access there. But, you know, I, I would just say that we're gender justice, so we care about far more than just abortion access. And last week when the Reproductive Freedom Caucus held a press conference laying out their full session agenda, I was just really heartened to see how broad it was. You know, it included things like passing paid family medical leave. It included um, support for bills that would address maternal health disparities, maternal, maternal mortality. It goes on to work to protect trans youth, protect access to gender affirming care, in addition to um, the bills that we are working on moving forward around abortion and reproductive health care. So that is really exciting. And that really maps on also to what we are invested in as an organization um, for kind of like a broader, a broader gender equity agenda. So yeah, so all those things. Love seeing the paid family medical leave bill move. Um, conversion therapy ban is moving. And the menstrual equity bill. Menstrual um, equity. Yes. So there's a lot of good stuff happening. Um, and we we did have a hearing also on our pregnant our positive pregnancies support act, which is about opening up state funding for uh, organizations who provide healthcare or direct services to pregnant and parenting people who need support around their pregnancies and making sure that that support is not politically motivated by an anti-abortion agenda that does not that those state funds are not, basically paying for people to lie to people about abortion or try and convince them not to get an abortion. So we are really excited for the opportunity to actually, you know, expand services to pregnant people in Minnesota that does not have a political agenda attached to it. Yes. And I would uh, shout out to our previous episode, which I don't know our episode numbers yet because we're such a new baby podcast, but uh, I think it's episode five that we dig into that. And so we'll and we'll make sure to do further updates as that bill moves ahead. Um, and I know we'll be back at the Capitol 
next week, uh, testifying, uh, supporting testifiers, helping our legislation move forward. I know our senior staff attorney, Christy Hall, will be testifying in support of the trans refuge bill. Um, and yeah, so it's just, we're still, we're still a doing lot it. Happening. <laughs> a lot happening at the Capitol. And if you're not on gender justice's email list, on Restrict Minnesota's email list, you know, that is one of the easiest ways to know, okay, what do you need me to do? When do I need to do it? We will tell you over email and also on social media. So, you know, follow us, sign up for our emails and, um, and know that like, we're not asking you to drop everything and rush to the Capitol just like for funsies. I mean, it is fun in my, my opinion, obviously. It actually was fun. This is true. It was fun. Yeah. <laughs> it's fun to be around people who are passionate. We ordered um, pizza. Yeah, we had pizza. Um, we had snacks. Who doesn't love snacks? But, um, you know, like we're, we, when we ask you to do that, it's because we really need it. Cause we really need the majority that are, that we represent on, on our issues that we work on to be visible and present, um, for legislators as they, go in to make, you know, really important decisions about the future of our state. Yeah. Well, thank you so much, Megan, for, for joining us on this insanely busy Friday. By joining us, I mean the royal us, so just me today. <laughs> um, Alina, our uh, Unrestrict Minnesota campaign director, uh, is still at the Capitol now, so could not be with us today. But um, yeah, thank you so much. And uh, more updates soon, everyone, from the Gender Justice Brief. Thanks for joining us. Thank Bye, you. Megan. Bye. Thanks for tuning in to the Gender Justice Brief. This show is produced by Gunter Yanel and Audra Griegas. To keep up with our work in real time, be sure to check out the show notes for where to find us on the web, social media, and to sign up for text updates. Don't forget to subscribe, leave a review, and share to help us spread our message. Thanks for listening and see you next week.